self, ministry team, or even guest speaker. But it could be that God could give a word to you who are watching. And I may not know your name and where you're located, but the Spirit of the Lord could very easily prompt anyone in this pulpit to say there's someone watching live stream, Facebook Live. Uh, You have a situation going on in your life. If you'll open your heart to the Lord, He'll take care of it. So we want to bring you in as much as we can to our grace service. And uh, so we, we really, really welcome you today. I'm really pumped to see our young folks sitting up at the front. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen. And uh, I hope you like it. Because this is where you will be. Every service. That's right. I'm glad I can see you. Uh, Y'all get back there and blend with the people. And I can't see our young folks. But we're thankful for you guys. We're proud of you guys. And thank y'all for participating and setting up around the front. To uh, Sister Turner, the Hoskins, sorry y'all lost your seat, but you gave it up for a worthy cause. So I just moved back one. Everybody had to move back one because of this. And I see the Browns, they're sitting way over there in the back. They just got bumped out all the way around. It, so uh, but anyway, but if y'all play it right, you, you can squeeze back in. It, it'll, it'll work out. So, But uh, it's great to see everybody. Thank you, young folks. And I love and appreciate our staff. Uh, for, for our student ministries, doing a great job, and thank you very much. I want to share with you real quick, I know we've had a lot going on here this morning. Derek Odom drilled it out of the park this morning. Amazing job. Amazing job. And, uh, thank you for that. He, it, it wasn't just that it was so evangelistic, inspirational, motivational. It was a God thing, and you'll hear that in just a moment. He contributed greatly to what I want to preach to you today. I want to talk just for a moment and thank Brother Dave and his uh, committee that he put together for uh, March Kindness. I'm really excited about that, and, and we've been doing that already. I'd like to share with you a couple of things. I'm not into the pat on the back and an attaboy or whatever. I just want to share with you opportunities that are out there. Uh, Sister Murphy and I made a very rare stop at a McDonald's. We was in a hurry and just grabbed something quick. And uh, there was what appeared to be, I don't want to stereotype or, or judge, but what appeared to be a, a homeless man just sitting right outside the door. Had coins in front of him. And uh, so Sister Murphy saw it before I did. And she said, get a, get a gift card, get a gift card. So I ran back to the car and uh, got our little $5 McDonald gift card. He was at the right place at the right time all the way around, was he not? So I felt real loud and proud and walked up and gave him a gift card and said, man, uh, just God bless you and, and, and enjoy a, a sandwich on us. We had no sooner got in the restaurant till we watched a man bring him a bag with a sandwich in it and gave it to him. And a few minutes later, another lady walked around the corner. I don't know where she came from, maybe in the drive-thru. She wasn't in the restaurant. She gave him another gift card. I can't explain to you what that did that we're not the only ones trying to be kind here, but our world is full of kind people. And it was an awesome thing to watch that. In addition to that, Sister Murph and I, along with Chris, attended a seminar this past week. And uh, wanting to, we're thinking about upgrading a lot of our church-based uh, software. And um, so we went, and, and there was one of our area pastors, I'm not going to divulge his name, but he was there. He's bivocational, works outside of ministry. 
and uh, the Lord just nudged me. And uh, so I called him when we got home, and I said, did y'all buy anything today, if you don't mind me asking? And he said, yeah, we did. And he said, we spent $550. I said, well, I'm going to reimburse you uh, for your church software. And uh, very thankful for this humbling man. But it, it almost, it, it, there's, there's a fulfillment to it. But then I have something really huge to share, really huge. Several years ago, actually it was um, August 2014, we heard that Mark Condon, a lot of you know him, was going to Columbus to start a church. He named it Infinite. And uh, we've known Mark Condon for a long time, know his parents and so on. And so Grace Church, we felt that Grace Church should help. And uh, we sent them $1,500 to help them launch their church. And um, he texted Sister Murphy a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And I want to read what he said. You talk about sowing seed into the harvest. He said, we thank you all for giving to us to help get Infinite off the ground. Infinite was launched on August 17, 2014. You all were the first ones to help us. Infinite is now giving back and gave over $54,000 last year to missions in 2017. Did God take our 1500 and multiply it or what? You say when you sow into the kingdom, when you sow into the kingdom. <clears throat> and on top of that, uh, they're running between 240 and 250 on Sundays, he said. So we're pumped about that. So... We want to keep giving. We're going to keep being kind, random acts of kindness. And I believe God is just going to just bombard you folks with more blessing and kindness back. Then you know what to do with. Thank the Lord. Okay, that being said, stand back up. That's right. Told you. I hope you gotten enjoyed while you were sitting down. <laughs> but we stand usually for the reading of the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whatsoever shall say that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. The title of my message is going to be a little bit misleading, and, and Derek got all over it this morning already. I want to talk to you about celebrating mountains, but this isn't what you think. Celebrating mountains. If I had a tagline today, I would call this, when my mountain doesn't move. When it doesn't move. Everybody say thank God for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> Muhammad Ali, or depending on how old you are today, Cassius Clay, said, It isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you out, Derek. It's the pebble in your shoe. Mark Udall said, You don't climb mountains without a team. You don't climb mountains without being fit. You don't climb mountains without being prepared. And you don't climb mountains 
without balancing the risk and the rewards. And you never climb a mountain by accident. It has to be. It has to be, he said, intentional. John Muir said, The mountains are calling, and I must go. The question came to a pastor after he preached on the text in Mark that says, where Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and so on. Apparently the lady's mountain hadn't moved for her as a result of her prayer and faith. And so she asked the pastor. The pastor's answer was somewhat inspired as he simply said, Some mountains in life are to be climbed. Some mountains in life are to be conquered. Some mountains in life are to be commanded. That statement that the good pastor gave her is the fulcrum upon which this message is balanced today. It could even be said that some mountains in life are cordoned off. That is to prevent people from getting into an area by putting a line of people or objects around it or in front of it. I'll point out to you this morning that mountains play a big role in Scripture. Noah's ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. The sacrifice of Isaac was on Mount Moriah. The law was given on Mount Sinai. Caleb said, give me my mountain. Talk about that more in a moment. The temple was built on Mount Zion. Elijah and the prophets of Baal fought it out on Mount Carmel. The second temptation of Jesus was on a mountain. The transfiguration of Jesus was on a mountain. That both Moses and Jesus were gloriously transformed on mountains. Speak to us that mountains represent in Scripture high places of communion and amazing intimacy with God. So if all of these people had prayed, God remove this mountain Look at what you and I would have missed out on. So today we'll begin with a statement of Caleb that tells us that some mountains in life are not to be removed from in front of us, but they are to be conquered by us. Today we'll use the Joshua fourteen twelve as our introduction to the In the will of God, mountains in our lives that cannot be removed statement. I'm not here to go contrary to what Jesus said in any way, shape, or form. But I believe the Bible sets very clear precedent. Very clear precedent. That some mountains are placed in front of us. And it would be a detriment to us if they were removed. We want them removed. I'll come to this later. Jesus prayed for His mountain to be removed. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. So sometimes there's not healing when we think there should be healing. Sometimes there's not recovery when we think there should be recovery. Sometimes there's not always marital bliss 
when we think there should be. There's not always parental bliss when we think it should be. Sometimes God puts mountains in our pathway for a purpose, and it is for our own good that they remain there. And you're right, Derek, we need to celebrate the process. I celebrate when I get to the top of the mountain, but I want to celebrate on the way up because I know, according to Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose. So I use that term because all mountains in our lives are not going to be removed. Why? Why? Listen to Pastor today. Because they're, they, mountains in our pathway, are our destiny. God put them there. He planned on us climbing and conquering those mountains, those challenging moments that we know we're going to wake up to tomorrow morning. God put them there. Because it's a part of our destiny. Because if He removed them, it would take away our value and our purpose. Is anybody getting their head around this yet? Is that God don't never intended for life to be a tiptoe through the tulips? In Joshua 14, beginning with verse 9, Moses swore on that day, Caleb said, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, it's your destiny, and your children's destiny. Because you have wholly or completely followed God. The mountains were put there on purpose. And you and I need to learn to celebrate not the conquering of the mountain, but the process of climbing it. It's a God thing. And now, Caleb said, Derek, the Lord has kept me alive for 45 years for this moment. He did not let me die because of this moment. And even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, and now though I am this day 44, uh, fourscore, 85 years old, and yet as I am as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so my strength is now, the process has not made me weaker. Oh, my. Oh, my. Verse 12. So Caleb said, Therefore, give me this mountain. Not because it's easy. Not because it's going to be without a fight. Not because it's going to be a piece of cake. I'm going to work my guts out. But by the help of God, He promised it to me. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to claim it. It's mine. I'm going to conquer it. Anybody that lives there, I'm getting rid of them. Anything that's there, that's not... Oh, my. 
not preaching to a bunch of weenies today. I'm preaching to people that's made their mind up. I'm going from here to heaven. I'm going to hear from heaven. Oh, my. God, God gives the fertile plains. Notice what I'm about to say. I need, there it goes. God gives the fertile, the fertile plains to those whose strength and constitution may be a little bit smaller, may be a little bit weaker. But He reserves mountains for those who are more hardy in nature and, dispos- and disposition along with faith, wisdom, and understanding. Mountains, though difficult to conquer, are a privileged blessing. He gives to those who have especially found His favor. It's not the easy life. It's not the easy road for those specially favored of God. It is not crossless Christianity that He smiles upon. It's not crossless Christianity that He smiles on. It is He that goes forth bearing precious seed, weeping. It's those people that shall doubtless come again rejoicing. And if there's somebody here today with a giant-sized mountain in your pathway, I proclaim in the name of Jesus that you not be intimidated, that you do not fear, that you do not question, but you bow up something on the inside. You square your shoulder and put your chin in the air and say, that's my mountain, buddy. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to conquer it. My, the harder the task, the greater the investment that God has entrusted you with. The harder the task, the greater the investment that God has entrusted you with. To be given a mountain is a statement by God that He thinks highly of you. It's a statement that says God has plans for you and through you. Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, discussing this passage, makes some general comments and then relates the following conversation that is said to have taken place between Moses and Caleb in reference to Caleb's request for his mountain. Caleb, I will undertake to deal with that. And if I cannot get it for my inheritance, I will be without Well, said Moses, it shall be thine own then. Win it and wear it. Now let me make a disclaimer right here. The source of this alleged conversation is never related by Matthew Henry. Okay, I presume it is something of Jewish origin. Though its veracity and authenticity can be argued, this much can be adduced that the Jews themselves viewed the conquest of the mountain as an ornament and prize of honor that Caleb could wear should he conquer it. It's a medal. It's a badge. It's a trophy. It's congratulation. 
So I want to encourage somebody here today. Don't whip out on God and say, take this mountain away from me. Don't take it. Empower me to climb it, to conquer it. Folks, I'm feeling this. Maybe this is me. Maybe you don't have a thing to do with this message. Maybe it's all the pastor. But, buddy, it is pumping in my veins. Sister Murphy and I have climbed more mountains and prayed that some of them would be removed. I don't know of too many that has been removed, to be honest. God just leaves them sitting right there. They're like the walls of Jericho. I don't know what else to say. And God's saying, you ain't going around it, and I ain't going to take it out of the way. So if you want to proceed beyond this point, you know, Derek, the walls of Jericho is a great illustration of what you were saying. They had to trust God's process, right? They had to trust that process. And marching around the walls of Jericho, I don't read where there's a lot of celebration. They didn't celebrate till the walls came down. I'm stuck on that. Wish you would have told me that, and I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Next time, right? No, I'm teasing. But they didn't celebrate until the walls came down. But God gave them a chance to do it. Maybe if they keep marching round and round this thing, they'll catch on after a while. I've given them horns to blow. Maybe the horns wasn't there to celebrate the victory, Brother Steve. The horns was given them to celebrate before the victory came. Just start blowing that thing, because in God's mind, it's already happened. Anybody feel me this morning? Anybody on board? So mountains speak of difficulty and obstruction and barriers. Barriers keep bad out as much as they separate us from that which we desire. When you ask for a mountain, you're asking for a war. But wars won have amazing reward. Mountains speak of our God-given destiny. Give me this mountain, Caleb said. Though it had been given to him, he still had to ask for it. He would have lived in the promised land until he died and never got that mountain if he had never said nothing. So even Caleb recognized, even though God gives one a special destiny, it does not remove the need to pray about it and to be in submission to authority about it or to fight for it. When God gives you a destiny, it does not mean it will hit you on the head and that you you will have to do nothing for it to come to pass. Rather, it will be a joint cooperative effort. God will do His part and we must do ours. Has anybody ever been driving out west or even to the Smokies? And have you ever noticed how beautiful mountains are to behold? They're beautiful to look at. Why y'all, nobody's doing nothing here this morning. Is there a pulse beat going on here today? Has anybody ever seen a real pretty mountain? Postcard? National Geographic? You pull one up on your phone real quick, just Google the Rockies? They're beautiful from a distance, are they not? You see the snow-covered peaks of the mountains, and some people ski down them. They're not as smart as I am, but anyway, it's all good. I'm kidding. But they're beautiful to behold. Even so, 
fulfilling your God-given destiny has a beauty to it that nothing in life can bring. And it's worth fighting for. It's worth suffering for. It's even worth dying for. Mountains are beautiful to behold and treacherous to traverse. They're beautiful to look at, buddy, but when you start climbing one, it becomes a horse of a different color. Thank God that He has promised to make your feet like hind's feet and to cause you to walk upon your high places. In other words, if God wants to give you a mountain, He will give what you need to climb it. Mountains are the object of desire of righteous people. Abraham wanted a promised land. Moses wanted a delivered people. David said to his brother and to Saul and to the weak, weenified armies of Israel about Goliath, I'll go fight him. Why? Because he said, Is there not a cause? And oftentimes the cause of conquering mountains is the greatest motivation you'll ever need. Nehemiah cried out about the poor condition of the temple. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Paul said, I go to the Gentiles. In Acts 13, the Bible said, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He accomplished God's purpose. And then he died. David's desire was to fulfill God's purpose for him. David had a dream for a kingdom and a nation to be based and built upon a dynamic relationship with the living God. He had a big dream and God let him see it fulfilled. Righteous people dream big dreams. They dream of climbing and conquering mountains for God. The wise man said, The wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and cast down the strength of the confidence thereof. Daniel said, But the people that do not know their God, or excuse me, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and shall do exploit. Big prayers. Pray big prayers. Dream big dreams. For such has been the pattern and example of those who've gone on before us. Mountains are the object of desire for righteous people not to have them move, but to climb them. Mountains are the object of intercession of righteous men. It's not enough to dream about it. You've got to do something about your dreams. The psalmist said, God said through the psalmist, Ask of me. You want something? Ask. Jesus said that, ask, seek, knock, ask. Jesus prayed big prayers. He said, neither pray for I for these alone, but I pray for them which are shall believe on me through their word, that they may all may be one, as thou, Father, art with me and I with thee, that they will be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Elijah prayed that the heavens withhold their rain, that men might repent. First we dream, then we begin to assail our mountain by prayer. We dream, we pray, then we act. Each step is absolutely essential. So notice this, notice this. Dreaming begins to move our heart and mind 
into alignment with God's desires. That's what dreaming does. Praying begins to move blockages and obstructions out of our way. And warfare moves others into alignment with God's plans. So mountains are the object of warfare for righteous men. No pain, no gain. No sitting at the right hand unless you are baptized with the baptism that Christ was baptized with. Righteous men want to conquer territory for God. Righteous people are not, they're not sideline people. They get in the game. They take the ball and they duck their head and they run with all they've got and will run over anything that gets in their way. So should be righteous people. Daniel chapter 9, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I have set my face unto thee, Lord God, to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Some saints today are praying, Give me my valley. Give me my meadow. Give me rosebuds and lily pads. Take away the thorns. God, rescue me from this time of suffering. If you truly want the will of God in your life, you'll look whatever is standing between you and your destiny and say with the help of God, you're not going to beat me today. Not on my watch. Some of you older folks will remember Brother Alan Oggs was born with more physical impairments than you could imagine. Doctor said he'd never walk. He'd never talk. Just almost be an invalid. He conquered all of that and became an amazing preacher. An amazing preacher. But I'll never forget saying, him saying, and not only was it a struggle for him to learn to walk, but he saw the kids riding bicycles, so he decided, I want to ride a bicycle. He just couldn't do it. Every time you get on it, no matter how far they walked beside him and taught him to balance and all that, and they'd push him, he'd fall over. He said his knees were bleeding, his elbows were bleeding, his clothes were torn. He finally got so exhausted from trying to learn to ride the bike, he propped it up against the side of the house, and he looked at it as a kid. And he said, I'm going to ride you tomorrow. I'm going to ride you tomorrow. He eventually learned to ride a bicycle because he looked at the mountain in front of him and said, I ain't giving up on this one, buddy. It ain't going to beat me, but I'm going to whip it, buddy. There's a thousand stories I could tell you right now about people I know and experiences in my own life, this building being one of them. I looked at this thing, Sister Murphy and I walked through it when we'd come here to vote, saying, man, we'd like to have a building like this. If we could only afford a building like this, we're going to build a building like this. And on and on we went, having no clue that God was standing up somewhere in the heavens chuckling and said, it is yours. You just don't know it yet. And I'm going to set in front of you a very looming task. And I'm going to try you and see if you'll shy away from what I want to give you. Oh, you've heard it over and over. And you're going to keep hearing it. Because I'm going to celebrate it till I die. 
I stood right over there in that little office on the other side of that wall, and the pastor of this church said, do you want to buy this building unreservedly without stepping back or a second thought? I said, yes, I do. Let me talk to our trustee board, and I'll get back with you. And I walked out of there like this, buddy. This building's fixing to be mine. I did. I was there, so I ought to know. I walked out of there and said, I'm going to take it. It's mine. This other church didn't know it, but they built it for Grace Church and not themselves because God said, I have vineyards that you didn't plant and I've got houses that you didn't build and God did it. I don't care what's in front of you this morning. It doesn't matter. I've got a God. Everybody stand and clap your hands. I look at Mike and Sheila Landry. Buddy, there was a mountain that dropped down in front of them several years ago. Most of you know the story. Sister Murphy and I were worried, even about their health, if health-wise, they could endure, if they could literally survive what was put in front of them. There's been a certain conclusion to that story. There, there's not a conclusion, but a closing of the chapter. There's been a certain closing of the chapter. I talked to Sister Sheila the other day. It was after church the other night. Her chin is still up, and her shoulders still squared. I'm still a child of God, and I'm going to point my finger in the face of the devil and say, I'm still here. Whatever you tried to pull off with me and Brother Mike, it didn't work. And I've watched her more than once since this news befell them where she got out in the aisle, Brother Derek, during the process and walked down here and rejoiced and worshipped and celebrated the presence of God in their life. I met with Brother Dave and Brother Wheeler this morning for a little while and shared with them something I believe God had given me. And as they two men walked out of the office, I was kind of looking through them God said in front of them and their families, a mountain, Sister Wheeler, Sister Farah. I don't know if she's here. I can't see nobody from up here. God dropped a mountain in front of these people. All of them looked at that mountain and said, you're not going to whip me today. You're not going to get me the best of me today. I'm here to encourage somebody. I preached to you several Sundays ago, and I almost preached it again this morning. If it hadn't been for this, I'd have been tempted. But with God. Y'all remember that? It's only been a couple of weeks ago. Your older folks won't remember. You can't remember what happened yesterday, much less two weeks ago. But you younger folks will remember, but with God. Y'all remember that? It's kind of like that message right there. I, I look, read that story of Caleb. Sister Merv just had a giant mountain dropped on her a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago. We've gone through it together. Our family's gone through it with us. She's okay now. But it kind of got nip and tucked there for a while. 
And every time something would happen related to that, something on the inside of me would bow up. Not today. This ain't happening today. You hear me? Not on my watch. Because I have a little secret. But with God. But with God. So, today, Derek, I celebrate the process with you, man. Before we got good news from the doctor, I got good news from Jesus. And we celebrated before she went to the doctor. Come on board, will you, man? That was awesome this morning. So, whatever it is in front of you right now, figuratively speaking, I want you to pick up your trumpet and your tamarind. You may have been marching, marching around the walls of Jericho for the past week or for the past 25 years. It doesn't matter because when God's ready, the walls are coming down. So, Jonathan Coley, I say Coley because we have about 400 Jonathans ago to this church. And I don't want to talk to that one and not think it's that one in the media booth I'm talking to and this one up here. And Can't you people diversify on names? Everybody pick the same name. Sister Murphy says, Sheila told me at church the other day, which one? We have like 10. Anyway, forgot what I was saying. Doesn't matter what's in front of you. There's a God factor. And you don't let the mountain beat you. And in God's time, He'll either let you climb it or He'll remove it. You just have to be willing. So I want to challenge everybody here today. I'm almost finished. When Jesus had that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, when He prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. God said no. And so the human Jesus said, okay. But in Jesus' case, where Abraham went to the top of his mountain with the sacrifice in his hand, Jesus went to the top of his mountain with the instrument of sacrifice in his hand. So when Jesus realized, Brother James, that the mountain was not going to be removed, it's almost like Jesus said, okay, I'll climb the mountain. Is there anything that you would like for me to carry with me to the top of that mountain? And so it became the will of God, not only for him to climb that mountain, but for him to carry something with him to the top of that mountain. It was also the will of God for Jesus to carry that item with him to the top of that mountain with his body literally half beaten to death. So if God empowered Jesus to make it to the top of Calvary in that condition, don't you think he can empower you?
Spurgeon said, the old evangelist of the 1800s said, You have not the making of your own cross. Although unbelief is a master carpenter at cross-making, neither are you permitted to choose your own cross, although self-will would fain be Lord and Master. But your cross is prepared and appointed for you by divine love. And you are cheerfully to accept it. You are to take up the cross as your chosen badge and burden and not to stand caviling at it. Jesus bids you submit your shoulder to His easy yoke. Do not kick in petulance or trample on it in vainglory or fall under it in despair or run away from it in fear, but to take it up like a true follower of Christ. Jesus, I'm going to add, was a mountain climber and a cross bearer. He leads the way in the path of sorrow and suffering. Surely you could not desire a better guide. And if He carried a cross, what nobler burden would you desire? The Via Crucis is a way of safety. Fear not to tread its thorny paths. Beloved, the cross is not made of feathers or lined with velvet. It is heavy and galling to disobedient shoulders. But it's not an iron cross either. Though your fears have painted it with iron colors, it is a wooden cross, and a man can carry it. For the man of sorrows tried the load. So take up your cross, and by the power of the Spirit of God, you will soon be so in love with it, that like Moses... You would not exchange the reproach of Christ for all the treasure of Egypt. Remember that Jesus carried it, and it will smell sweetly. Remember that it will soon be followed by a crown, and the thought of the coming weight of glory will greatly lighten the present heaviness of trouble. The Lord help you to bow your spirit in submission, and the divine will ere you fall asleep this night that waking up with tomorrow's sun, you may go forth to the day's cross with the holy and submissive spirit which becomes the follower of the crucified. So I want to encourage everyone here this morning. If there's a mountain in front of you, maybe it'd be good to cease praying for God to remove it. Instead, Ask God to empower you to accept it, to climb it, to seize it, to conquer it, to claim it, to wear it. So, I'll ask you today as they begin to sing. Our young folks, moms and dads, will you accept the path that God has chosen for you? Will you accept it? Will you commit to it? Will you be loyal to it? Fight for it. Conquer it. Seize it. To make it your accomplishment through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. If that's the way you feel, I'm going to ask you to come pray about it as they sing. I'm going to ask everybody to come gather around the front and celebrate.
your mountain. As Brother Derek said, celebrate the climbing of your mountain. Celebrate. Celebrate that mountain. Celebrate that mountain. Come on, Grace Church. Everybody come. Everybody come. There's plenty of room. Everybody come. And let's celebrate the mountain. Celebrate the mountain. It's a God thing that's been put in your path. It's a God thing. Perhaps it would not be the will of God to pray that God would remove it. But to accept it. To claim it. This is God's purpose for my life. Come on, Grace Church. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving right now. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Come on, Grace Church.
Thank the Lord. Everybody, would you lift your hands one more time? There's a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord here right now. I don't want anybody to miss it. I don't want anybody to miss it. All across the building. Let's talk to Him all across the building. Everybody talk to the Lord. Everybody talk to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Put your arm around somebody close to you. Let's pray for one another right now. Put your arm around somebody. Let's pray for one another right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. a there is a sweet sweet presence of the Lord that's just all over this building right now I don't know if you feel it but I do they're going to sing again in a moment but before they do there's some folks praying I want you to keep praying if you're praying just keep praying but everyone else I want you to make your way around the building it's been a while since we've done this in this way but I want you to go to somebody and tell them how much you love them and appreciate them I want you to mean it I want you to tell that person you're praying for them. Somebody needs to hear that right now. You're praying for you. I'm praying for you. Would you do that right now? Y'all sing again. Go to somebody. Praying for you. Praying for you. Praying for you. Praying for you. 